This week, it's episode one. We talk about MotoGP, introduce ourselves, and we talk about some environmentally friendly bikes. Kiss the mirror. This is Crossed Up Podcast. Obviously, this is episode one of a brand new podcast, so we're a little new to this. We've never done a podcast before. Uh, excuse the thunder in the background and the light whine of server fans. Uh, we're going to try to figure out some other ways of recording. Um, what was our, our final goal there? Our final goal is to have the audio from us riding and we talk about some things. Uh, we'll be on the bike talking about some different subjects and uh, maybe even getting some guests on. Yeah, that would be really fun. Have guests with riding on the motorcycles and stuff. A um, couple technical hurdles with that, so we'll see if that even is possible, but that's one of our goals for the show. Um, another goal is to create a uh, space for new riders to maybe learn something. Maybe people are on the edge about riding. Uh, help them get the information that they need to get started. So there's going to be a little bit of that, as well as um, stories, our riding experiences, what riding means to us, our guests, stuff like that. And uh, we may sneak in a little bit of MotoGP as well. Yeah, hopefully we uh, can get a little bit of video to go along with uh, some of our audio podcasts uh, on occasion. And that's um, one of the one of our main goals to have at the end yeah so we just got finished watching uh the austrian gp uh that just happened today we just finished watching um this isn't a moto gp channel but i think it needs to be said that moto gp is way more interesting without mark marquez yeah yeah uh just the races as a whole um there's just so much more stuff happening without Marquez uh, taking up all the all the limelight. Yeah, uh, and you can't take oh, spoiler spoilers ahead. Uh, you can't say that that things like crashes are more interesting without Mark Marquez because those happen regardless, um, including two Mark Marquez. But um, the the real interesting thing comes from the the rookies where people are placing. Um, I don't know. It seems like there's a new drive within MotoGP where people realize that they actually have a shot this year and they're less content to sit the back and be like, well, I mean, I did my best. I feel like a lot more people are putting in that 110% this year than in years gone by. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just, you know, knowing that Mark Marquez isn't almost a guaranteed win in so many races. Uh, people are much more likely to really try to push to get a podium. Yeah. Uh, and so you know we see people like Quadraro really really stepping up. Uh, not so much this race. He he was not super great this race. But no. um, I mean in Jerez he he really really crushed it uh, both times. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it really goes to show that once Marquez is out, 
uh, it kind of mixes a lot of things up. Yeah, and Quattro is fairly new. Um, I mean, and he's just he's just dominating so far this season. We'll see how that pans out. We'll see if that was a fluke. I mean, if you have two races at the same place, logic says everyone should come in the same spot that they were, assuming they don't crash out or something like that. Yeah. So Quattro winning twice in a row is not insane considering the first time he won he was ahead by so much yeah. but yeah yeah uh let's talk about ducati oh ducatis uh yeah. huh. well i i don't think you can talk about ducatis without also talking about ktms yeah yeah um uh, you can't you can't talk about uh really anyone in particular without kind of going over what every everything on the field looks like this year yeah yeah it but it it seems i mean granted to spoilers granted ducati came in one two or not one two but well one three uh factory <laughs> ducatis almost of one two factory yeah. ducatis came came in first davizioso um but that Dovi always wins but in the last three races and even in this race ktm has been putting down so much power yeah. that at the beginning of this race i said i don't think there's no way davi can pull this out yeah the, the ktms are just too powerful right now they exit corners and the bikes are just like twerking it's ridiculous they're shaking yeah. all over the place from just the amount that their tire is spinning and the amount of hook that they're getting it's just ridiculous yeah um yeah, and it looks like KTM uh, finally ditched their trellis and went to a twin spar, which... They've needed to do that for yeah years at this point. Yeah, I mean, KTM has been really, really lagging behind um, because, you know, they're, they've, they've said that their main thing is trying to sell bikes by way of MotoGP. Uh, and, you know, all, all, their, all their street bikes and dirt bikes and everything has that really prominent trellis frame and you know that's kind of what they're famous for so it it kind of really shows that they're really really mixing things up by going to a twin spar frame uh and it's really i think that's 100 percent the biggest change and the biggest reason why they're doing so well now because the frame is stiffer and they can actually get the power down to the ground now yeah oh for sure um uh, KTM, I, I think they've realized that the average like person who's coming in to look at a KTM uh, probably isn't like, I'll only buy it if it has a trellis frame. Like, yeah. the MotoGP bikes have twin spar. I'll only buy a KTM with a twin spar. Like, yeah. people aren't coming in looking for that. And I feel like the people who are are probably looking more in the adventure and, you know dirt categories of bikes yeah they're coming in and being like well this did very well in the dakar last year yeah yeah i want that twin i want that trellis frame um yeah and i mean uh, i'm pretty sure that ktm's biggest market share is their off-road based uh bikes right i think it's the hooligans and the exactly it's it's hooligans and off-road bikes like people who want crazy bikes with wheelie control and off-roading yeah yeah for sure Unlike Ducati, uh, who sells bikes to people who just want horsepower. Exactly. And moderate styling, in my opinion. 
yeah. un- unpopular opinion, their bikes aren't that pretty. All right. <laughs> no. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about where Ducatis are at this year. Um, I think that they've done something that uh, just has really, really uh, brought down the bike's power. They fucked up their bike. Yeah, there's. it's just not putting as much power out anymore where when it comes to the straights, they're not pulling away like they did last year. Uh, they just did something, and um, as a result, they've been qualifying far lower, around 7th and 8th rather than 3rd or 4th. Yeah. I don't know if they... they I mean, Takati's been in, in a quest for more and more power to the rear wheel. I don't know if they did something where they've had to detune their engines or something. I'm not sure. But in the last three or four races, the KTMs were walking away from them on the straights. They were just disappearing. And it made no sense because the KTMs couldn't catch up to anything last year or the year before. And then all of a sudden, you know, Davi's on these straightaways where he should be leaving everyone in his wake. And there's a KTM passing him. And you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. Where, yeah. Where'd this come from? Where where did the KTM come from? Where did the Ducatis go? Like, Zarco. Zarco's on last year's Ducati and destroyed Davi in the last, in the last race. Yeah. Destroyed him in terms of positions. And Zarco, Zarco's one of my favorite riders, but... Um, I don't think he's that great. Yeah. And, I mean, Zarco left KTM last year because their bike was just not up to par. And yeah. And so it just it really, they, really brings up some questions. They both must be. I mean, Ducati's, or KTM, uh, KTM Red Bull had some great riders this year. I don't think they're missing Zarco as much as Zarco might be missing KTM. I don't know how much time he had on these bikes during development or not, but um, I, I mean, I, makes me wonder if he were on that bike last year, if he were on that bike this year, how would he be doing? Yeah, um, yeah. His rookie year, I think he proved himself at uh, Qatar almost until he crashed. Yeah, yeah. I mean. For a long time, Zarco was definitely held back by the KTM. Yeah. Uh, and now Brad Binder is just really bringing it up. Uh, and they they must have changed yeah. something. <laughs> so we're probably, we're probably pretty much done with MotoGP. But I think we can't not talk about how Rossi almost died today and Vinales was... After after that incident, Vinales became the most erratic rider on the track. Yeah, um, doing the both the fastest and slowest laps of the race. Yeah, uh, after in, that crash in from twentieth place. Yes, <laughs> yes. After the restart of the race, he he ended up in twentieth place, and then somehow came up to eleventh, tenth behind the new guy. Uh, I. I Name began with an I. Iker Laquona. There we go. He, oh, he came in right after Laquona. I, I, yeah, he was held yeah. up by him. I think he was in ninth, uh, or Vinales was in tenth, I believe. I could pull up the stats. I don't feel like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, I'll pull them up. 
It's fine. We're not that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. I'm not going to pull up the stats. Um, but yeah. Um, so, Rossi uh, and uh, we've already mentioned spoilers, but yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, basically, there's a huge crash involving Zarco and Morbidelli. Uh, like 109, I want to say it was 197 miles an hour, some, yeah, somewhere near something, that. Something like that. Yeah. Somewhere between 190 and 200 miles. Yeah, something like that. Um, and Morbidelli just plows into the back of Zarco, going into, was it turn three? Yeah. Um, and uh, it was like, it was, it was kind of mid, they've got that kink in that track. Yeah, There's like a yeah. long straight that's kind of a, just a gentle curve. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of midway through that. Yeah, and my theory is that uh, Zarko sat up to start braking a little bit, um, and it's possible that he started braking just a little bit too early, um, maybe a little bit earlier than Morbidelli uh, was, uh, I guess, planning, and then that caused Morbidelli, who was way too close to him in the back, and I, I think also might have been running a kind of interesting line um caused him to just not break early enough yeah. and just plowed in the back of him and then both bikes just went flying yeah yeah i th- i think i think there was a pass by zarco leading into that turn and morbidelli was trying to to get that pass back but um that didn't pan out yeah yeah i think that's what what had happened there yeah um, um, and, uh, oh, we're going to wait. Thunderstorm's getting pretty close. I, I believe the microphone's picking that up, but that was all, that was a window shaker. All right. So, yeah, um, I think it was, uh, Zarko's bike that we saw punch through the, uh, Zarko's, Zarko fell off his bike. Yeah. The bike stayed upright. Yeah. And it in rolled. Top gear. Yeah. Rolled through a bunch of yeah. gravel. Um, and just punched all the way through the, uh, the air fence. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just started tumbling. Yeah. And chunks of both bikes just flew across, uh, this, that right-hand turn. Uh, and basically almost the entire bike flew right in front of Rossi's face. Yeah. He was covered, he was covered in oil. From yeah. the bike. Yeah, the uh, bike was spraying oil onto his bike as, as it flew past. <laughs> yeah, it was that close. It actually looked like it had tapped... Uh, who who was right in front of Rossi at that point? It was one of the Suzuki's? I don't know. No, remember. it was one of the Yamaha's? I don't remember. Um, but I don't remember yeah, who it was. It, it, there's part of the video where either they stood up the bike real quick, or the bike got slightly tapped by one of the other bikes flying through the air yeah Uh, it was hard to tell but yeah um but yeah one of the bikes basically flew right between the two riders uh just feet in front of rossi's face yeah Uh, and he was very visibly shaken after that that was that was scary i mean he almost got wrecked yeah yeah yeah. i would be shaken yeah that would be Uh, that was almost a very bad day for him I mean, anytime you see an accident like that where you just see bikes come apart, there's just so much energy there. Yeah. Um, even though they're both, in this case, too, both riders looked okay. They were both walking afterward. 
Um, Morbidelli was taken to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, or no, yeah, Morbidelli yeah. was taken to the hospital. Yeah. Zarco walked away. Um, and uh, it's just weird because the bikes just take so much of that energy. Um, and of course, their suits, those those D air suits, really help them out. Yeah. Yeah. So probably on to the next segment now. Okay. What's our next segment? Do we have a next segment? I don't think so. So uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. Just a refresher, my name is Derek. I've been riding for nine years now. Nine years. I've had uh, a few different bikes, mostly in the sport and adventure categories. I've taught a few people how to ride uh, over the years. Um, and I've learned from a few good riders as well. I've started on the wrong bikes, but uh, we can get into that a little bit later. Uh, right now I ride a 2016 Africa Twin uh, automatic, so that's the one with the DCT. Um, it's just a, it's a great bike. I have 30, 31,000 miles on it. Um, I can't imagine getting rid of it. What about you, Brian? Yeah, so uh, I'm Brian, and I've been riding for about two years now. Um, I uh, started on a Ninja 250, uh, as a lot of people do, and uh, I'm now riding a 2014 Honda VFR 800. Uh, it's uh, your regular bog standard uh, manual transmission, no fancy DCT on it. Um, Not all of us can have the future, it's alright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I, uh, I've learned a lot from riding with Derek, and hopefully we can try to teach some people out there a little bit about riding. Yeah. So um, I knew energy would get a little low after watching MotoGP, uh, so I got us some energy drinks. I got myself... Uh, no sponsor, so I'm not gonna say any brand names, but this one's like a sour, like a sour watermelon, and I got you, unicorn. Mm -hmm. So, have fun with your pink can. All right. Um, I just unicorn. thought that would be, yeah, and I got sour. Yeah. So. Because you're a sour old man. Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not that much older than you. Wiper snapper. <laughs> oh, that is sour. That whoa, that's like drinking a warhead. All right, it's decent. I remember warheads from when I was a kid. Oh God. <laughs> Does it taste like unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited to do some of our episodes we have coming up. I know you wanted to do some some like new rider stuff. Yep. Um, I'm pretty excited for some of the historical episodes and having guests on. Um, we know some pretty interesting people, but, uh, want you, do you want to get into depth a little bit about some of your beginner rider episodes that you have planned out? Yeah. So, uh, we've got a couple of different plans, uh, in the works. Uh, one of our first episodes that's probably going to be coming up is, uh, an episode on what kind of gear to buy and, uh... Yeah, you want to retake that? I'm sorry. The whole thing? <sighs> no, just start it. 
The last um you said. I don't remember where the last um I said. <laughs> All right, just keep going then. I'll uh, let me let me rewind like a little bit. So we're planning on doing a couple of episodes. Uh, the first one is probably going to be something like the uh, what kind of gear you should buy and what kind of bike you should buy things like that uh hopefully if everything works out well we can do these episodes while riding um and yeah so you know just all kinds of good beginner info uh for new riders and people that are um looking to start riding so that you can find out that you know it's really not um a super high bar of entry or uh, super expensive to get into. Um, not that it's inexpensive because... Motors, yeah, getting into motorcycling is more expensive than a lot of people think it is. Yeah, yeah. They kind of go, oh, this bike's $1,200. And then they never really consider all the extra costs. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into it more later, but, um, yeah, uh, if anyone ever tells you that motorcycling is far cheaper than ever driving a car, uh, it's not really, it's not really, it's straight up lying to you. Yeah, it, depending on what you do, it can be, you might be able to get it to be a similar cost, but it won't ever really be that much cheaper, um. And we're talking about real motorcycles, not like scooters. I'm I'm not super. Uh, scooter tires are expensive too. I mean, yeah. their scooter tires aren't cheap. They're they're pretty expensive because there aren't as many scooters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they don't have to be rated up to 140 or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we'll uh, we'll I, probably get into that a yeah. little bit later. I, well, we should get into. I, I want to get into a couple of those fallacies. I just think it's it, it's fun. Okay. Um, one of them being, uh, motorcycles are better for the environment. Um, that's pretty much completely untrue, unless you have like a California emissions bike, yeah. which still, uh, most motorcycles produce the same amount of bad stuff as a car per mile. Yeah. Um, and that's at normal pace, normal riding, not. Yeah flooring it i mean granted a car when you floor the car comparatively i think the car might produce more stuff but we don't have the benefit of a catalytic converter yeah and so well california emissions bike do but um even then they're nowhere near as good as a car yeah um yeah so do you want to just get into all of that right now or i was just thinking a couple of those things like okay. just some of the reasons why it's not some of the things people tell you yeah so yeah. like uh, owning a motorcycle is cheaper. It's really not. It's yeah, it's yeah. not. You're gonna end up spending. You know what? It's fun too. So you're gonna end up spending just as much as you did on car gas. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. Um, a car comes with doors, windows, um, airbags, things like that. Yep. You need to buy a suit of armor. Um, or at least you should buy a suit of armor. Your helmet. How much you spend on your helmet? How much did I spend on my helmet? Yeah. Uh, about 500 bucks 500 okay so yeah. you can get away with like 300 yeah you, you can, helmet. yeah i mean there are snow rated helmets for like 200 yeah um yeah. 
but yeah. But you, I mean, you also want to be comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I, I asked, I said you, because mine's eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but at this point, we've also yeah. both bought two of them, so, you know. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we both bought two, the, the same helmet again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, as soon as your helmet hits the ground, like, even if it falls off your handlebar, uh, that's a, that's a mistake. That's a new helmet. Yeah. That's yeah. time to buy a new helmet. Yeah. I mean, some people will argue that, you know, um, really that it does, if it just falls on the ground, it doesn't cause compression of the EPS foam, but it really just don't drop it your helmet. It does cause a shockwave that travels around the outside of your helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And if you watch mm -hmm. slow-mo video of them, the neck, like the, the opening of the helmet sometimes squeezes pretty small. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. but really just, foam, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I'd buy a new helmet. I've never dropped a helmet before. Because I yeah. snap my buckle around the bark busters on my bikes so that they can't fall on the ground. Yeah. Really just don't drop your helmet. Yeah. Uh, either, like, carefully put it on the ground or, uh, you know, make sure it's securely strapped to something where it's not just going to fall off. Don't drop your helmet. It's a really bad idea. So one of the ones that probably is true is insurance if you buy the right bike. Yep. If you're a new rider and you buy yourself a 250 or 500, and it's not like a sports bike, uh, yeah, you're probably going to get away paying a lot less on insurance because they just don't, even if it's your only vehicle, they'll never consider your motorcycle as your primary mode of transportation. So that's in your favor. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's, so you, yeah, you might spend a little bit less money on insurance. There's definitely that. Yep. Uh, I personally, not, is it okay if we like name brands? Sure. Yeah, I personally uh, am a big fan of Progressive. They offer, um, when I was first looking, uh, the the best rates by far uh, for new riders. Um, because when I when I first started riding and I called around to some people on a Ninja 250 that is over a decade old, uh, a lot of companies wanted um, upwards of seven or eight hundred dollars on liability alone. Um, and even some of the other ones that uh, claimed to be better were still about $300 for liability. Yeah. And it's just, that's just too much. Um, so, you know, obviously that goes down once you have more riding experience. But drastically. Yeah, drastically, drastically yeah. goes down. Um, but, you know, it's better to save a little bit of money in, in your, first, uh, your first couple years of riding. Yeah. Um, I had an issue with... Well, we can get into that another time, but I got an issue with the Africa Twin because initially they were like, oh, it's a 1000. And uh, they didn't realize what like, that's an adventure bike and it was in a different class. So they, they priced me out as a, as a sport bike. Uh, yeah. So that was an interesting battle with my insurance that paid off. Um, one of the other things is tires. People don't realize, because cars go, you can go years without changing your tire on a car yeah car tires go a hundred thousand miles yeah uh, even mm. on the low end you might get 30 to forty thousand miles yeah for you know a, a summer only like sport tire yeah. that you know people generally drive fairly oh, aggressively you can get a full set of minivan tires for under 500 bucks yep and they will last they will have a 100,000 mile warranty yep you probably don't want to drive in the rain or the snow with them yeah but you can do but it. But you can do it. Yeah. 
And if you only live in, like, California, then, you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're a tame driver. Anyway, Yeah. regardless, um, motorcycle tires. Yeah. I think the longest I've ever gotten out of a tire was 7,000 miles. Yep. Um, and they cost as much. They almost yep. cost as much as a full set of car tires. Yep, about yeah. about the same a lot of the times. Uh, yeah. One one full set of motorcycle tires, uh, a lot of the times, unless you're buying Shinkos, uh, are basically the same price as a full set of car tires. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just bought the Road 5s, the Michelin Road 5s, uh, and that was almost 500 bucks. Jeez, yeah. yeah. TKC 80s in my case. Like, I don't buy them often because they're big knobby tires. I use them when I do off-road racing mostly, which is once a year. And it didn't happen this year. Uh, but if I use those as a daily driver tire, <laughs> I get 1,700 miles out of the... Less than 2,000 miles out of my rear tire. And it's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean they have fifty percent less rubber than a normal tire, but yeah, and they were they were designed for uh, dirt riding. They're designed for uh, dirt, and they're extreme. They are actually extremely sticky compound for the street. They're yeah. meant to be like a hardcore fifty fifty tire. Yeah. Um, but is it worth it? Yes. But is it like worth it? No. <laughs> if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. I love the tires. But I spend a lot more on tires for my bike than I do for my car. I'll drop, you know, a thousand bucks every couple of years for car tires, and I'll do it every summer for a motorcycle. I'll drop like nine hundred bucks on tires. Yeah, yep. Um, I usually go through three pairs. Yeah, um, I'm um, I'm hoping that these Road Fives get uh, get a lot of miles. Um, because uh, some people have in our writing group have really raved about them and said that they got a lot of miles out of them, um, and so I'm thinking that with any luck, they get around eight thousand miles out of a rear um, and a little bit more out of the front. Uh, just you know, fingers crossed, hoping. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> those are expensive tires. <laughs> um, I wish I could get Pilot Road Fives. They, I had road fours on my ZZR 600. Um, I, I miss that bike. I miss those tires. Right now, for street tires, I use, because I switch my tires frequently. Um, for street, I'm using the Scorpions. Uh, the Scorpion Trail Attack. And I like them. I really like them. Um, the coolest thing about them is they... You know how they have that little sticker on tires that shows you where the, the lightest point the tire is yep. so you can match it up with the uh, the valve stem? Yep. It's a little red scorpion. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's got yeah. a little red scorpion on the side of the tire where that sticker goes. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's about the coolest thing about that tire. I mean, other than the really good grip quality, the pretty good rain, and... The long longevity I got out of the tire. Other than those three things, the coolest thing is a scorpion. Yeah, yeah. But the three-dimensional sculpting on that Pilot Road Five is yeah. sexy. That's, yeah, that's crazy, and uh, it's kind of you know why we can why you can see that uh, they cost so much per tire. Um, 
but at risk of this just turning into a tire podcast, oh my god, <laughs> uh, we we should probably move on because. Oh, but uh, I want to talk. About, yeah. I want to talk about the three-dimensional sculpting on that tire. <laughs> yeah, right, Derek and I are skip. huge tire nerds, so <laughs> I we were I was helping him put on his tires, and I got really distracted by the sculpting of the tire. They're they're actual the water seeps are triangular shaped, so they're wider at the base of the tire. Which, when you look at it and you and you understand how tires are molded, you're like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, yeah. it's it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Their their claim is that uh, the the Road Five is supposed to be able to get as much wet grip uh, when at fifty percent wear as the Road Fours got when they were new. Yeah. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's move, move on. on. Fine, fine, <laughs> move on. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit um, on emissions? Uh, I know we talked. Uh, I, we, we like touched I mean, on. It. We just touched on it. I don't. I don't have enough of the facts and figures in front of me to uh, expand on that. Um, yeah. So, um, I the, MythBusters did their test yeah, a few years back. Yeah. So, uh, MythBusters did their like full, you know all that testing and then they made like an aerodynamic shape for a was it like a drz 400 or something, something like, that. like that yeah um and, it's a horrible uh, bike to pick yeah um it was also pre-california emissions drz 400 if i remember correctly it did not have a yeah i mean convert, it was it was a pretty but, old episode so but that's a good thing because they were testing a bike that 49 out of 50 states it would be legal in yeah yeah um I mean, uh, in a lot of places, there's a different VIN number for non-California emissions vehicles, yep. like the Africa Twin. I don't have a CAD on that, but if you bought it in in California, it would have a catalytic. Yep. Um, but yeah, so basically, bikes get uh, better gas mileage generally, but your emissions might actually be about the same or worse in yeah. terms of the... Uh, the gases that come out of the tailpipe that you know aren't good for the environment uh so it kind of depends on what your idea is right because you know you're using less of a non-renewable resource per mile but you do cause more technically global warming yeah you know, we're, we're not going to get into the politics of all all these things um i i do want to say that we're not going to get into the politics of it I would like to have an electric bike if they were more feasible. Yes. If yeah. if there was a more feasible way to have a greener bike, I would take that opportunity. Uh, the gas mileage is good if you're on a smaller bike. But the moment you go to a significantly larger bike, your gas mileage drops by kind of a lot. So just for some anecdotal... Uh, evidence the ninja 250 i could get upwards of 80 miles a gallon with very um reasonable uh low speed riding um you know just kind of around the town if you're being fairly gentle on the throttle uh you know keeping it mostly around the same like 45 to 50 miles an hour you could probably get like 80 or 90 miles a gallon out of that um but uh you know the moment that you 
go to a bigger bike, like now I'm on an 800, you're on a thousand, um, and the gas mileage is, it's not exactly like half as bad for having, you know, quite a, that, like that much more displacement. Um, but it's still not appreciably that much better than certain cars. Um, I mean, my bike does get better gas mileage than the car still, but I know yours is a little <laughs> bit, a little, a little bit weird. It's yeah. a little bit very close. Yes. So <laughs> average cruising, I get 45 miles per gallon. It was great. That's almost as good as your, your Ninja 250. It's, it's, it's getting good. Well, not, okay. You said 80, 45 miles per gallon. Very good. It's, yeah. it's getting close to some good, you know, that's good. Yes. When, when I'm really pushing it, I will see that gas mileage drop down below 17. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly how low, but I do remember that the lowest I've ever seen in my WRX was 17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a Subaru WRX, 2.5 liter turbocharged engine. Yeah. And I, granted, I can only look at my average over the last mile, yeah. but... I've reset my triple diameter and driven it hard for a mile and not seen lower than 17. Yeah. But my motorcycle, I have seen my instantaneous drop down to like 16.5. Yeah. No, I've seen my instantaneous uh, drop down to about 13 at one point. Yeah. But yeah. that's also, you know, almost full throttle. Uh, like you're flogging it from stop sign to stop sign and yeah. you're hitting... Uh, 90 between a couple of stop signs um which you know frankly people don't really do in their cars uh generally i do generally (laughs) um but yeah um the other thing i want to touch on about gas mileage is the moment that you go on a group ride your overall gas mileage is now well it's irrelevant yeah it it becomes irrelevant uh yeah, like, because there's usually one person's gas mileage that is relevant. That would yeah. be Arjun, well, who gets no, 170 miles per gallon. Per yeah, ten. yeah. No, I'm talking <laughs> about like um, in terms of environmental impact. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, because yeah. suddenly, even if you know both, let's say you and your buddy are both riding and you both get 50 miles a gallon, then really, you're only getting 25 miles a gallon for the both the both of you. Whereas yes. if you were both in a car with the benefits of aerodynamics um, and you were both cruising uh, and your car got 35 miles a gallon, then you're doing all, you're doing better from a gas consumption standpoint. Yes. Very um, fair. Yeah. Uh, not that it should deter you or matter, but you know, it's just, I it's don't think it, <laughs> I've never thought of that in that way. So I, stands the reason other people haven't thought of it that yeah, way either. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I'm not exactly going around on our group rides saying, well, yeah. guys, you know, maybe we shouldn't have group rides because it's, we're using a lot of gas. Nah. Everyone double up. <laughs> that <laughs> would go over real well with a few people. <laughs> Gavin Everyone... would probably flip, flip his shit. Everyone nuts to butts. We got to save the environment, guys. <laughs> so speaking of saving the environment, yeah. Yamaha has announced, I don't even want to use the word announced. They've had a engineering designer 
um, one of these industrial designers come up with a new version of the XT500 that runs on this is going to trigger some engineers compressed water now there's a pretty big flaw with the statement of compressed water being that water is incompressible well uh pushes (laughs) up glasses um actually (laughs) uh so water has a extremely minuscule amount of pressure that can be added yes uh there is technically a very small amount that water can compress uh but it's so little that generally engineers just say nothing yes (laughs) yes so that is why i i have to assume they're using either a spring system or air bladders to come to compress the water in, in which ca- they they must be having some sort of spring mechanism to to keep the potential energy in the water high yeah. anyway yeah uh this is a, a design of their engine um it looks like a uh you know it, it looks like the dry clutch on a ducati with two sci-fi grenades in a V pattern coming off of it. It looks like an abomination of a V twin. Now, I'm assuming they're storing air. They said these are going to store water, but they must be storing air and water. It's also, I, lo- I read into the article, they're not storing water, turning into hydrogen, and combusting hydrogen or anything like that. They're actually powering the rear, rear wheel directly with water. Which means there has to be some store of potential energy. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to store yeah. enough potential energy in what looks like two liters of water. Yeah. Um, I mean... They said it's going to have a five... I think they said it was a five-gallon tank or something like that. It might have been just me trying to figure it out. What, five gallons of water? I don't... That doesn't sound well, right to me. I don't think is, it was. The thing is, though, if you're just... I think it was me to... trying to figure out the math. I was like, how can you get that much potential energy? Yeah. What's the maximum water you could carry? That kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think that was actually in the article. And there's... So, the thing is that there has to be some way to put potential energy onto the bike. Yeah. Uh, And water, in and of itself, doesn't have a whole lot of potential energy. Uh, You know, if you just have a glass of water, it's not exactly, you know, kilojoules or kilowatts. (laughs) of energy just sitting in there because it just doesn't really have it um i mean technically it has gravitational potential energy because it's you know sitting somewhere and then you could you know drop it and therefore the water has kinetic energy you're not going to get anywhere near enough yeah gravitational potential energy no you've you've got like on a motorcycle less than a meter where the the gravitational energy can even go um so that's I'm going to call bullshit right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to call bullshit on this. Yeah. Immediately called... I had someone yeah. show this to me, and they were like, oh, look at what the new... What Yamaha's going to... I'm like, bullshit. I, I took yeah. one look at that. I'm like... First of all, also, if, if we look at the actual picture, there is no triple tree. Uh, the entire front fork assembly, which, by the way, doesn't actually have a shock assembly. It has one weird shock right there, which maybe it's a cantilever system, but I'm looking at that... And it looks like every time you go over a bump, the front wheel's just going to go, like, out and just adjust the rake. Yeah. I don't know how that's... 
Yeah, and then that's how do not you... going to work. And then there's no way to turn it. <laughs> uh, well, there's a pivot up there. But there's nothing attached to the pivot. I, well, you're right. There's also it... like nothing yeah. on the bike. So I mean, this is cl also the, the tires are white. It, like, it doesn't work that way. Well, it's because they're battle axes. Uh, yeah, you're right. They are battle laxative TTXs. Uh, I've come up with that term for battle axe tires. Um, I call them battle laxatives because they are squirrely as shit. And they will make you shit yourself. Um, but all that matters is it's got a single-sided swing arm, so therefore it's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's also, <laughs> it's got what looks like a turbo back there inside the rear hub. I yeah. don't have they gone too far? <laughs> Has science done <laughs> too much? I'm going to go with the yes. Yes, it has. This is Fever Dream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of uh, electric vehicles, uh, if electric motorcycles were a little bit more accessible, um, just because right now there's not a whole lot of options that are super easy to get into. I think there's only one electric vehicle that would work for me. And it's the Ural EV. Okay. It's not a real bike. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with that. Uh, the Ural is a sidecar motorcycle. If you're not familiar, it's a, a Russian-made sidecar motorcycle based on the BMW platform. Two-wheel drive. Uh, two, yep, two-wheel drive in the rear. But it also has a giant sidecar. Yeah. And if you were to fill that giant sidecar with Tesla batteries and put a nice honking motor in the middle of it, you could go in reverse real quick. <laughs> but it it would have range you'd have enough room for a charge controller yeah like you'd be able to do more than 150 miles 200 miles. i think zeros are limited to 200 or something like that if you get the charge pack i'm not um, sure i don't i don't remember i just know that zero has the option of extended range or 240 volt charging you, i think you, so yeah you either get like a, a lot more range yeah but you're limited to a normal 15-amp plug, or you get 240-volt charging and half the range. Yeah, because I, I, I think, if you guys aren't familiar, I think that the way Zero does it is that there's basically um, a little area where your gas tank normally is mm -hmm. that either fits the, uh, the extra batteries or the... Yeah. Or uh, I believe a glove, you can also opt, if you get just the basic, I believe it comes with a glove compartment. Like yeah. it's just a little compartment yeah. for you to put stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Uh, I, think, I think they're the most promising. To be honest, yeah. like if I were to buy a, a, an electric vehicle for commuting, chances are it'd be a zero. They seem to be the most feature complete, the the most uh, rider friendly, yeah. like, um, and also the cheapest. Yeah. Or, no, they're not the, cheap, the cheapest, but they're... Yeah. Very well priced. Yeah. Uh, best bang for your buck. Yeah. Looking at you, Harley. <laughs> yeah, Harley. Wow. <laughs> you got live, live wire. wires. Oh, my God. Man, their live wire and their adventure bike are going to be... Well, the adventure bike's out. Uh, oh, it is? I don't think it is. It's not out yet. No. It's a joke. But, yeah. I cannot wait for Long Way Up. I'm a huge fan of Long Way Down and Long Way Around. Mm -hmm. um, huge fan. They are, those are some of the reasons why I got into riding. Um, they're definitely the reason why I got into adventure riding. Um, actually, 
scratch that. I didn't watch them until after I started riding. The reason I got into motorcycle riding was the Top Gear Vietnam trip. I okay. saw that episode and was like, I want to learn to ride a motorcycle. I don't know how I got that because they look like they're having a terrible time until the end of the video. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. Something about Jeremy Clarkson wearing a colander on his head in the rain really spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah. My inner masochist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, we might have an episode uh, talking about Harley's new uh, new bikes yeah. at some point. Uh, oh, I, I do want to finish that thought real quick because okay. uh, some people may not be aware that Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman uh, rode from Chile to California yeah. on two live wire motorcycles. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. I, I heard um, that they like did all kinds of black magic bullshit with uh, like swapping out bikes and batteries. I've, yeah, I've and heard like they've that. swapped out bikes, batteries, and um, asked just random people to charge at their houses. Yeah. Um, I know I've spent a little bit of time in Nicaragua. I spent two two day two weeks ugh, two weeks in Nicaragua, and like everyone I met was just stealing power. Uh, so <laughs> I I'm gonna assume Charlie and Ewan. Maybe your accessories to theft. Uh, <laughs> multinationally. They're probably high up on Interpol's most wanted at this point. With the <laughs> amount of electricity they must have stolen to get those pigs from Chile to the United States. Yeah. Also, they stopped it. Why didn't they go all the way up to Alaska? That's That's halfway up. Yeah. I, we're gonna, I, you know, I can't wait. It's coming out soon on Apple TV, not sponsored, and I, I wanna, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. Uh, we should probably both watch it and, uh, yeah, yeah, have um, an episode about that. Yeah, uh, all I gotta say is Harley seems to be making a step in the right direction, but who knows if, um, I, I don't know. They're all of their engineering is just kind of. Still a little bit too old school, because, I mean, the the biggest difference between their off-road bike and other off-road bikes is, from what I can tell, besides just price, I mean, I'm assuming that their price is probably going to be very similar to, like, a GS. Yeah. Um, the weight is just so high up with the V-twin, <laughs> and, you know, if you guys aren't familiar, the GS has a box twin, which means that all the weight is like a foot off the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a V-twin, because most most of the weight that comes in an engine is generally the head. Um, and it's just so high off the ground in a V-twin. Uh, it just kind of... They're, they're really engineering themselves out of the market, essentially. Well, I mean, they keeping... also... The bike's not that high. Like, the actual clearance on the bike isn't... Yeah, yeah that great um, so yeah i mean i haven't i haven't seen anything about that but just from a from like a specifically v twin aspect it's just you know most of the stuff that you do off-road is low speed and you really want that yeah. maneuverability um and you know once you're moving uh any kind of v-shape is not that bad you know it's um like it's generally still more weight um but you know at lower speeds, you really want that weight to be low down, um, and it's just, 
it's just not in a V twin. <laughs> yeah, it's not low. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how Honda did it in the Africa twin. I mean, the weights. It's a parallel it's twin. A, yeah, it's a parallel twin, which so does that, save a lot more it, weight. It does save a lot weight. of weight, um, but it's still not not light. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of that weight comes from the DCT and and the, the heads. Yeah, um, but uh, they did a good job balancing that bike. I mean, the transmission is pretty close to the ground, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. The DCT is yeah. pretty low. It still holds over a gallon of oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the most inconvenient. It's four point. Full like when you when you have all the oil out of it, it's like four point four quarts. Oh jeez. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really inconvenient number because it's not quite four point five. Yeah. Um, even so, it's more than a gallon of synthetic oil for yeah. motorcycles. Which, oh hey, that's something we forgot to mention in costs. Motorcycle oil costs a shit ton more than car oil. Yeah. And you a can't lot. buy it by the gallon. No. Unless you, for some reason decide to run Rotella T6 or Maxima Maxima sells a ca- uh, some oh, of them some of them in a gallon yeah well Rotella's cheap because it's using diesel engines yeah and yeah. so they, they buy them by the gallon all the time yeah because um, you use like seven gallons yeah <laughs> yeah so if you ride a Gixxer you're allowed to use uh, Rotella T6 apparently um, but that might just be because Gixxer riders are just generally um, you know I'm drawing a blank for the word, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Jigsaw riders are just Jeremy. <laughs> uh, Jigsaw riders ride around in second gear all the time. Uh, first and second. Um, Jigsaw riders are just, you know, they're just bros. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that that kind of brings us to something else I want to, uh, that I think that we might be able to do eventually on the podcast is, um, maybe some like test rides. Because I'd like to do some test rides. We need yeah. to make some connections with some dealerships and stuff. I've got one, but. Or maybe we could just walk into, you know, yeah. some dealerships and be like, hey. Oh yeah. Hey, just don't just conceal the, why are you guys clapping outside? Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're not sinking <laughs> microphones. Shut. Go away. This is my test ride now. No, I mean you just you just ride you just ride the bike over to somewhere else and then you do it and then yes. they, that way they can't see. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we still got a. Uh, we could definitely do test rides via that twisted throttle service. There are yeah. a couple people who rent around here for that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this is a crossed up podcast. Um, this is hopefully one of the few episodes that we do where we're not on the bike. Um, I think we, the first few might be this the, style. Yeah, the first like so, couple um, might be. Um, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully, we can um, start recording on the bikes soon. Um, I have but, a lot to learn about microphones. Uh, yeah. Getting the right style that point in the right direction. Oh my gosh, so much about microphones that I yeah. did not want to learn <laughs> that yeah. I'm having to learn about now. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's not too hard. Um, in the event that it doesn't work, then it might just be a regular form podcast. Yeah. Um, um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it'll work. There may be some podcasts with a lot of background noise. We'll have to get feedback for that, see what people think. 
Yep. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably the end of the end of everything. Yeah. Time to uh, sign off. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the first episode, and uh, we'll see you next time. If you have any uh, complaints, you can uh, email us at no reply at google.com that's n-o-r-e-p-l-y at google.com <laughs> <laughs> and uh i'm working on email we'll we'll figure it out uh so uh don't email no reply at google.com if that's not obvious uh hope everyone uh rides safe and uh yeah, keep the shiny side up <laughs>